Hello, and welcome to the Yarniacs podcast. This is episode number 250, woohoo, that woo-hoo. we are recording on Thursday, July 29th, 2021. I'm Gail. And I'm Charlene. And we were just saying, episode number 250. It gave me a lot of pleasure to write that on the top of my show yes. notes for today. Yes, me too. Me too. It feels significant, although we're not doing anything to celebrate, but it feels significant it for does. some reason. It's a nice even number. Yeah, exactly. It's a nice little uh, landmark milestone. There's the word I'm looking for, milestone. It is. It is. All right. What are you wearing? Well, this week I was visiting a friend down in Los Angeles. I went down to Los Angeles actually for a family reason. I had to visit a special aunt of mine who is very ill right now. So I went down to see her and also was able to see a dear friend that I haven't been able to see in a year and a half. Long time. Yeah, maybe longer. I don't know, at least a year and a half. And while we were sitting outside in the evening, I wore my Julie's Wrap, which is a pattern by Hohi Locatelli. It was the perfect little rectangular shawl to throw on over my shoulders. And I even got a picture of both of us wearing it together because it's very, very long. (laughs) That was a cute picture too. Very cute. Yes. So I was very happy with that. The Julie's wrap, as I mentioned, is a large rectangular wrap. And it the really cool thing about it is that it has these little baubles all along the edges. And I know some people hear the word baubles and they get turned off, but these are beautiful. I didn't mind making them and I really enjoy this wrap. And it's one of the ones that I would make another if I could find a suitable quantity of yarn. The original sample that Hohe knit was made in fingering. I believe her sample was knit in Tosh Merino Light, and then I knit mine in what was called a heavy lace white yarn. And I would make one in a really light, lightweight lace yarn if I happened to come across the right yardage. Like I said, it takes a lot of yardage. The pattern calls for 1,320 yards. So... It's one of those patterns that I need to keep in mind if I ever have a lot of lace weight or come across a lace weight that I really like. Yeah. So that is Julie's Wrap by Hohi Locatelli. What are you wearing, Gail? Well, I haven't been wearing very many hand knits, but I have a funny related story. Earlier today, as I was about to start a work meeting... Max came rushing into my room and said, do you have a sweater I can borrow? Well, imagine (laughs) what happened next. Every sweater was pulled out of the closet and we were trying to match what he was wearing. And of course, none of my sweaters fit him because he's very muscular. He's very large shoulders, broad shoulders, big biceps kind of thing. It was very funny watching him try on my sweaters. And then he said, well, how about a shawl? So I was pulling out my shawls trying to match what he was wearing. And I had my pearl break out, which is a pattern by Stephen West. And it's a very, very, very large shawl. I think it's three skeins of fingering weight. And he almost wore it, but then he decided that, quote, it made him look a little too gay, unquote, considering he was wearing (laughs) a skirt and a flowered tank top when he said that made me laugh. 
my hand knits were all over the closet floor, all over the bed. It was like a little eruption had happened in my closet. So it was very entertaining for a short period of time. Then I had to start my meeting. I think that's pretty funny. That sounds like the opening to a knitter's fantasy. You're you're sitting there just minding your own business and somebody runs into the room in a panic saying, wait, do you have a sweater I can borrow? <laughs> That's kind of what happened. <laughs> it was pretty funny. And he's great. He loves wearing, you know, hand knit shawls and things like that. So he just wasn't the right day for it, apparently. Yeah. All right. What have you been stocking? Okay. Well, this one, I think I sent you this one in a text the day that I saw it. It's, I think, I think the style of this top can only be described as a peasant blouse. Oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's by designer Irene Lynn. It's called Fior Top. And I spotted this in the hot right now on Ravelry. And yeah, I would call it a knit interpretation of a peasant blouse. And peasant blouses are the tops that are gathered on the top and so they kind of fall into I guess you would say ruffles because they're not pleats the fabric is kind of gathered at the top so that the top is fitted whereas the bottom you let all the fabric out and the bottom has a lot more fabric a lot more width than the top of the top does that make sense <laughs> yeah totally yeah gathered was a good way to describe it I think okay and I noticed in the comments section on the pattern page for the top that there were a couple of comments asking for clarification about the body circumference of the top. And I think that might be because of the gathers. The measurements make it seem like it is so much bigger than it really is because the smallest size measures in at 51 inches because of all the fabric that is included in the gathers. That wouldn't surprise me, yeah, because there are, it gathers all the way around the yoke. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I think, I think it has a somewhat, it has eight sizes that go from 51 to 69 inches. The centimeter range is 130 to 176 centimeters around. And the top is more fitted. It looks like it's circular yoke, maybe. And then just above the bust is where the increases happen very, very quickly. So all of a sudden, you've got the ruffles and the gathers falling into place. And a lot of folks, including the sample, have knitted in two different colors. So the the fitted top part of the bodice is knit in one color, and then the roughly blouse part of the top is a different color. And the sleeves are also knit the same way, so that once you've knit that bodice part and separate for the sleeves, the sleeves also increase a lot and are knit in that second color as well. I had a thought that perhaps if I made it Maybe I would not do the ruffled part on the sleeves. I don't know if that would look right. I think it would I'd almost have be to cuter. Because then you'd have little cap sleeves. Yeah. 
I don't know. It, a... Obviously, it would be cute each way, both ways, but I kind of like the idea of a little cap sleeve. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm sure somebody else will beat me to it, and yeah. I'll have a sample that I can see <laughs> before I do make it. But I thought it was very cute. It's also knit in two fingering strands of yarn held together. And the yarn that is used for the sample is a wool, silk, cotton blend. So, of course, my mind immediately went to coast. Coast. <laughs> I'm, you know, I sound so repetitive. I sound like I own stock in this yarn company because I keep mentioning using the coast, but it, for so many things, it has become my go-to yarn. That's good. So, Everybody should have a go-to yarn. Yeah. Yeah. So, and let's see, I also wanted to mention Irene Lynn. She is the designer of the outing shawl that you have knit, Gail. It's right here. Oh, wow. Look at that. <laughs> I love it. It's It's a really nice shawl. I remember when you knit that one, you said you really liked it. So that is Fjord Top by Irene Lynn. And then because I was looking at tops somewhat in the same genre, I happened across another one that is a bit of a peasanty style blouse called Pineapple by Kaneko Yuki. So I was wondering, are peasant tops all the rage right now? <laughs> like I this, would know fashion trends. Did this just happen? <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe they will be all the rage. I I don't know. But like like the Fiore top, pineapple has a somewhat gathered section right below the top of the yoke. But the the yoke on this one is very very structured and very detailed it has a it looks like one big chart section that goes for the whole yoke section and it's in the middle of the front and in the middle of the back and it has lots of twisted stitches in there i'm not sure if there are any cable twists maybe yeah there might be but for some reason, it just really caught my eye. It's really, really beautiful. The top of this blouse is really, really beautiful. It kind of comes to a V. And I'm wondering if I'm not looking at it right. Because though the top is called pineapple, I don't see a pineapple in this design. But there could be. And I'm just not seeing it. But it's if you look at it, it's just beautiful. There are traveling twisted stitches that go up from a point in the center, up in a V, and it almost looks like a tulip in the middle to me. And then there are also some traveling stitches that go down from that center V along the sides of the arm. And I assume it's it's replicated on the back as well. She, The designer does not have a picture of the top on a person, so I can't really tell. But I do, She in one photograph, she shows the side because she shows the sleeve. So I can see that that V pattern is repeated on the front and the back. But it's very beautiful, very, very 
dramatic and it's a lot, a lot of stitching in there. It's beautiful, really beautiful. So that is Kineko Yuki, the pineapple top. And oh, I just wanted to mention before I move on, the pattern only has one size. And I wanted to mention that because this designer, Kaneko Yuki, seems to have several patterns on Ravelry that are only one size, but they are free. So I kind of get the feeling maybe she's making these tops for herself and just putting ah. the patterns up there. I'm not really sure. But the one size that's available is 56 inches. And remember, like I said, it's a peasant top. So there's a lot of fabric in there. So I think the 56 inches would probably fit a wide range of bodies, depending on how you like a garment to fit. She has quite a few free patterns on Ravelry. And another one that I am looking at is called Shizuku. And Shizuku looks like a top that is knit from side to side. And I believe that you knit the two halves and then perhaps seam them down the middle because it the pattern does say that it is worked flat, but everything else about the pattern is in Japanese. So I can't read Japanese and I can't tell for sure if it's seamed that way, but I think it is. And it's a really cute top. It's a v-neck with a cable running from the neck down the sleeve, short sleeves, twisted rib, rib cuffs, and bottom band, and it's knit in a 100% sport weight cotton. And a couple years ago, Gail and I were on the lookout for fingering weight cotton. So it's interesting that I noticed a lot of her patterns are knit and fingering and sport weight cotton that is not available to us, but it looks like an interesting yarn. So that is Shizuku by Kineko Yuki. What are you stocking, Gail? I haven't been stocking nearly as much as normal because I've been working more and <sighs> knitting more. So my computer time has been mostly work-related, but I did manage to squeeze in time to stock a couple things. I'm not sure how this one even came up on my feed. I might have been looking at my friend's activity. It's called the Serian Sweater, and that's spelled S-E-R-E-I-N by the designer Sabina Harnage. And it's really pretty, simple, classic in terms of its design. For most of my adult life, I've liked to wear turtlenecks, and I like a certain style of turtleneck, especially when I was working. I had a lot of funnel neck type of tops that I would wear to work and dresses and such. This is that same type of look. It has a funnel neck, and it's raglan shaped, and it has positive ease, and it's very simple. And I fell in love with that as soon as I saw it. I thought, that's the sweater. For years, I've been trying to find just this perfect turtleneck, funnel neck style sweater. And I looked at that Sarian sweater and thought, that's it. I finally found it. But it's a DK weight, which would probably be too warm for us to wear here most of the year, especially as a turtleneck. The older I get, the, the more my body seems to run hot. So mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't wear a turtleneck as much. But the thing that really told me this is not the sweater for you 
is that it's knit in 100% cashmere yarn. Oh, and wow. I think you may have stocked a sweater that used this yarn for something in a previous episode because a 125 yard put up is $48. Oh, my. <laughs> a turtleneck long sleeve sweater. Oh my. So I stopped looking very quickly. <laughs> of course, I could easily substitute a yarn, but I just, I was kind of sticker shocked when I realized how expensive a sweater that would be. And Do you know how many skeins are required? No, like I said, I stopped looking as soon as I saw that wow. $48 for a 125 yard price tag. Yeah. I thought there's just no way I'd ever, I can't imagine a day where I would love a pattern enough to invest in that yarn. I could love a pattern enough, but I would be afraid to wear the sweater. That's true too. Yeah. <laughs> and afraid to knit the sweater because what yeah. if you spilled on it while you were knitting? Right. right. But the sweater itself is very beautiful. So maybe someday I'll revisit it and think about substituting out a different yarn. And then I was stocking two hats by Hunter Hammerson who I have a designer crush on because I talk about her and stalk her patterns a lot. She had a newsletter that went out. She was raising funds for, I want to say, either barn or feral kittens that she was going to bring to get spayed. And so she was raising money for that before they went out for adoption. And she was having a discount on all of her either all of her patterns or all of her hat patterns, I don't remember. And I purchased two of them. The first one is called Semblance, and it's a super bulky weight hat. And it has this really cool faux cable that runs vertically throughout the hat. It's just a really nice, simple design that doesn't look like it would be difficult to knit. Very, very pretty hat. And then the second one is called Pelagic, and it's knit in either sport or fingering. It's a two-color hat. I think one of the yarns she used was sport and the other was fingering. And that had a slip stitch pattern to it that was really pretty. And I'm just kind of in love with most of her hats. And I knit the permutation hat a while back and really enjoyed that. So I know I'm going to enjoy knitting these when I decide to put them on the needles. So that was Semblance and Pelagic by Hunter Hammerson. What have you been knitting? Well, I have been knitting on my Oread, which is a pattern by Meiju KP. I have finished both sleeves. Yay! At, yeah. So at this point, I still have the body on the needles. I need to try it back on, determine what length I can take it to, which is dependent upon how much yarn I have left. I have... I believe a little less than half a skein left. So I just need to reserve enough for the front bands. So I don't think those will take too much yarn, but I have to make sure that the length is going to be a spot where I want it to end, of course. So try it on. I'm probably going to steam it to make sure that the fabric lies flat so I can get the full length out of the yarn. I made it in Tosh Merino Light, and in my experience, Tosh Merino Light really doesn't shrink once it's dried after I wash it. So 
I, I'm not too worried about that. I think that steaming it will probably be fine as opposed to giving it a full bath and letting it dry. So that is Oread in process. I also started a scrap hat for when I was traveling and visiting my aunt. I made sure I started a scrap hat and then once I was there and visiting family, I didn't knit a stitch. So go figure. <laughs> I'm familiar with that phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, so I I ended up taking it with me and it was more comfort just to have the knitting, knowing that it's there, have my little project bag with me. It's kind of a comfort item at this point. I always have a little project bag with me when I travel and it's like my stuffy. <laughs> I know. I even have it if I go to the store or something like that. Sometimes like, I do too. What if I have too. to wait yes. in line? I exactly. need to have knitting, and I almost never take it out. But it's a comfort thing. You're absolutely but yeah, right. definitely. So scrap hat, and then swatching. I, Gail, and I both have been talking about knitting Hohe's long summer cardigan, and I bought the pattern. I've been making swatches. I. Th- I think I have settled on a silver and gold yarn combo. Yay! My, yeah. It's so pretty. I, I think it works. My sister had given me a single skein of this gold color, and it's not particularly a color that I often wear, but when mixed with a larger quantity of this pale gray that in my head, I'm thinking of as silver. When mixed with that and the gold used for the stripes, it kind of makes, to me, a very neutral fabric. So I'm going with that and looking forward to starting that, although I have not officially started it. (laughs) It's very colors of fall, too. It is. Yeah, because the yellow isn't quite illuminate, but it's close enough. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And it's a perfect fall garment, Mm -hmm. too. It will be. So what are you knitting, Gail? Well, like you, I'm swatching for the long summer cardigan, and I am swatching my main color with Miss Fab's Katahdin, which is a light fingering slash heavy lace weight, 100% BFL yarn that comes in a huge skein, about 1,700 yards, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I I love that yarn. I do too. It's very nice. And the colorway I'm using is called Autumn Toad Lily, which sounds very unattractive, but it's very (laughs) pretty. And I haven't settled 100% on my contrast color, but it has these bits of a darker purple in it. And I think that's the color I want to pull out with a contrast. So I know Charlene's working tomorrow at the yarn store. So I'm going to go visit her and bring my swatch and see what they have at the yarn store. Okay. So that's swatching for the long summer cardigan. And I'm also knitting on another hat. I started my second hat for sailors hat. Mentioned that last episode. It's the charity knitting for a super carrier that has six thousand sailors and I apologize last episode I called them soldiers instead of sailors and I got called out on that 
<laughs> I apologize for that. So 6,000 sailors on the USS Vinson, and they have prizes for it. Handsome Fibers, which is a source for needles that Charlene and I both order needles from them quite frequently. They have great customer service and very good prices. They are doing a bunch of prizes for hats for sailors for this particular hat drive. So that's pretty cool too. I know a lot of people have reached out to me saying that they're going to knit at least one hat. So it's pretty cool. Last episode, I said the requirements were worsted weight, superwash yarn. Well, they've changed that a little bit. Now you can do any weight hat you want. Does not have to be superwash, but it does have to be 100% wool. The reason is acrylic is flammable. And if you're on a ship like that, fire is a real hazard. So it must be 100% wool, but it can be any pattern, any weight, and it does not have to be superwash. So they updated those requirements. So that means it's, I think, a little more accessible for most people. And the hat that I'm knitting right now is the Stash Busting Helix hat by Jessica Rose, which Charlene and I have both knit this more than once. And it's super easy and it's using up scraps of my superwash worsted because I didn't they hadn't changed the requirements yet so I went through all of my scraps and I got every scrap of superwash worsted yarn to start <laughs> you know like I I I just kind of went overboard and thought okay I'm going to grab every single scrap yeah. I have now I have a big old bag of scraps oh, so I will be making a lot of hats between now and I think November 12th is the deadline because they have to get them all shipped they have to collect them all and then ship them to the ship yes. by Christmas. So, well, you, you know, go. the hat that I started is for that reason is super washed because I was thinking, okay, I'll scrap hat and I'll be able to donate it as well. And I'm glad that the requirement no longer has to be super washed because even though I used super wash, I kept thinking, I don't know how this hat would come through if it were washed in extremely hot hot water even being superwash that still kind of makes me nervous <laughs> well the woman who organizes this actually reached out to us because she heard that yeah. we talked about it on the podcast and she sent us a little bit of background she started this with her daughter was a captain i think on a navy ship and so she was making hats for her daughter's ship was the very first one and her daughter said, sailors don't really wash their hats very much, so don't worry about the superwash <laughs> part. So, okay, we're off the hook okay. on superwash, and yeah. you don't need to worry about that hat you're knitting now, getting washed in super hot water. Okay. And then I also picked back up my hoodie shawl cardigan by Suzanne Summer, and that's a top-down sweater with a hood, so you knit the body, then you pick up around the neck and knit up for the hood. And then you do a border that's all the way around the entire sweater. So I'm on the hood portion and I'm about two thirds of the way through the hood. The hood is striped and I think you need 63 garter ridges before you do, I think, a three needle bind off to shape the top of the hood. So it's going to be a while before I'm done with the sweater, but it sure is nice to pick it back up again. I haven't knit on that in months and loving the yarn, that's Western Sky Knits Aspen Silk. And the colorways are kind of a coppery color and a really deep red. 
that I'm striping. And then the other color, which is part of the body and sleeves, is Madeline Tosh, either Tosh sock or one of her sock weights that's plied called Conference Call. Or maybe it's Telegraph Wire. <laughs> no, I can't remember. It's been so long since I <laughs> talked about this sweater. But it's a light gray with specks of the copper in it. So they look really good together. And knitting with that aspen silk is just dreamy. So it's garter stitch. I can knit on it while I'm watching the Olympics. And it's super cool. So Hoodie Shawl Cardigan by Suzanne Summers is back in the mix. We would like to thank our sponsor for the month of July, Lolo Body Care. While rolling across the country with her life packed in the truck following closely behind, Kismet Andrews, founder and formulator of Lolo Body Care, had many hours to contemplate ways to incorporate sustainability into travel. As a company, they treat their products with the same mindset as Pete Seeger, the folk singer and social activist who said, if it can't be reduced, reused, repaired, rebuilt, refurbished, refinished, resold, recycled, or composted, then it should be restricted, redesigned, or removed from production. Besides purchasing sustainable products, where did she arrive after those hours of contemplation? 1. Purposely prepare. No matter your mode of transportation, pack snacks from home in reusable containers and fill up reusable water bottles to minimize the vast amount of trash along the highway. Plus, this way, you can choose snacks that sustain your body and the earth. Number 2. Support local economy. As tempting as another hamburger at a quick drive through chain may be, support local culture while traveling. Stop at family-owned restaurants to try local cuisine and minimize waste. Purchase souvenirs from small-town business owners who love to connect with anyone who enters their shop. Number 3. Choose eco-friendly accommodations. Research hotels and bed and breakfasts in the area you're traveling to. Minimize waste as much as possible by hanging up towels and leaving the Do Not Disturb sign on the door. This allows for less frequent, unnecessary room cleaning. Also, bring your own toiletries, preferably travel size Lolo Body Care products. While she prefers smaller, funky hotels that practice sustainability, it's not always possible to snag a room, so Google five hotel chains that offer sustainable stays. Thanks, Kismet. Thank you. We love our Lolo. Yes, we do. <laughs> All right. What have you finished? Well, I have finished my on-the-porch blanket. Woohoo! Yeah, you know, this one, I thought it was going to be a much longer-term project than it really turned out to be. I started this, let's see, on April 22nd. And then I finished it last week, I believe. And honestly, I thought it was going to be my long-term through the entire summer project. So it didn't quite make it, but I'm hoping that once I get the long summer sweater on the needles, that's going to kind of take the place because there's a lot of knitting back and forth on the tunic length body of that sweater. Yes. So longer than tunic. It's more like dust. Yes, that's true. That's true. It is longer. So back to the blanket. This is the second on the porch blanket I have made. The pattern is by 5410 Studio. And it is a pattern, very, very basic pattern of garter and stockinette stitch. And it has a garter stitch border on all four sides. 
So it's super easy. I don't need to carry a pattern around. I can just pick it up and, and go. The pattern itself has six different measurements for blanket sizes. So it starts at, I think, what they call a stroller blanket, which is a tiny little square that you can tuck around baby when they're in the stroller. And then it goes up to, I'm not sure how big, but six sizes. And I don't even remember which size I made or if I kind of went between sizes. I may have. I used some Madeline Tosh vintage that I had had in my stash for almost 10 years. And I finally decided that since I could not find the perfect sweater for it, because it had reached that this yarn had that status of, I just want the perfect something to make with it. Yep. And I could never find the perfect sweater that didn't use either too little of the yarn or needed more than I had. So I worked it out really well. I think, Gail, I probably had like six yards left by the time that... Whoa, yeah, it nicely was, <laughs> done. It was really close because if you recall last time I talked about this, I had to count the ends on the blanket to make sure that I was really on the last skein. And I knew that when I started that last skein, I had to start the border. So it worked out well. I started the border, got as many rows as I needed, bound off and had just a little bit left. So it worked out. Yeah, it worked out really well. Haven't washed it yet, but I will. And it's a beautiful blanket. I love the color. The color's called night bloom and it's kind of a plummy purple but with different shades in there it's very very tonal it's got some areas that are a dark gray and then it goes to a light gray and also the plum thrown in really nice really nice but it's very pretty yeah I had had that yarn for a long time and I think I am very happy to have made something with it that it's almost better because I think I'm going to have it on my bed and I'm going to see it every day. Whereas a sweater, I would have it put away somewhere. This way I get to enjoy the yarn. I agree. Yeah. So that is on the porch. What have you finished? I finished my first hat for sailors using the stash busting helix pattern, like I just mentioned for my work in progress hat. And I used scraps of Malabrigo Rios and I managed to use up four partial skeins that were in my stash of scraps. So very excited. And the colors were Ravelry Red, Plomo, which is a light gray, and Paris Nights? No, that's the blue one. Yeah, that's a dark blue. I can't remember the name of the dark gray that I used, but it's really pretty. Well, it could be pretty or handsome. Whatever <laughs> it's a very nice looking hat with the red, light gray, and dark gray stripes. It's Excellent. really cool. And this pattern is really easy and fun to do, too. You can mix up so many different colors. So I highly recommend the free pattern on Ravelry. And I kind of buried the lead on this, but it's because once I talk about this, I wouldn't want to talk about a hat. (laughs) I finished a blanket too. I finished my cozy memories blanket for Mac and it's beautiful. I'm extremely happy with it. 
it ended up being 300 squares. So mitered squares, little, they're probably like, I don't know, two and a half by two and a half inches approximately, each bordered in dark gray. And I did run out of the main gray color, which was Western Sky Knits District 12, which our friend Heather dyed. And she doesn't dye for Western Sky Knits anymore. And I don't think that Kim had District 12 in her color rotation. So I had leftovers from my unbearable hoodie, the gray yarn I used for that, which I used to finish the blanket. And I can see the difference if I look really closely, but <laughs> I don't think most people would be able to tell the difference. Probably not. And Max didn't care at all. So I had a make it work moment. I totally make it, made it work. And when I was finished with it, I looked at it and because of the borders on the mitered squares, the borders are only on two sides. So the bottom of the blanket had a nice dark gray edge and one long side of the blanket had a nice gray edge. But the other two sides didn't have a nice border and they also had a lot more stretch than the sides that had the border. And I didn't want the blanket to become very misshapen because it would stretch on those two sides. So Max and I took out a bunch of my single skeins to see what color would work. And I knit on a border, just a three row garter stitch border to match the gray. And I ended up using a color of Magpie Fiber Swanky Stock, which I've had in my stash for many years now. It's called Masquerade and it's a beautiful dark teal. It's gorgeous. And it looks really, really good on the blanket. So just this morning, Max asked me if the blanket was completely done. And he said, is it even blocked? Because all my family knows what blocking is. And I said, it's even blocked. And I said, but you don't get it until you pose for pictures. He said, I know, I know. So I think he'll be posing for pictures for me, hopefully tomorrow. So that's very exciting. I've been working on that since March of 2016. Very cool. So it's been a very long-term project and the end result is just stunning. I highly recommend doing sock yarn memory blankets. They're <laughs> pretty fun. As long as you have the mindset of a long-term project, yeah. it's not something yeah. that you would necessarily want to rush. And again, thank you to everyone who shared yarn with me throughout the years and the people who sent me yarn recently to get me through the finale. <laughs> and after we last recorded, I also got yarn from our friend Linda, who is Naughty 54 Knitter and was able to use some of her scraps on the very last row. Excellent. So that made me incredibly happy. So thank you to everyone who helped. And that's my cozy memory blanket. Done, done, done. <laughs> Yay. So since we have finished our sweater series, Gail and I have been talking about what can we do next? And we came up with something that we call Knitting exceptionals. What is an exceptional? So to be exceptional means, number one, forming an exception, rare. Two, better than average, superior. Three, deviating from the norm, unusual. So rare, superior, and unusual are three words that can be used to describe some knitters who influence us and teach us and often think about things in unusual ways. 
And the first knitting exceptional we wanted to share with you is someone who has sadly recently moved on from this world. Kat Bordy died last September 2020, and... I was lucky to have taken a full day seminar with her at TNNA back in, oh, I think it was January. I think it might have been around 2011. I I meant to look it up, and for some reason, I don't have the year written in my show notes, the year that I did it, but I think it was around 2011. And what I remember from spending that day with her. I remember that she was a teacher that was very encouraging. She really thought that her techniques were easy and that any knitter could accomplish them. She was really excited about teaching something that she thought was easy to do and would help improve other knitters' success with their projects. She was really interested in how each knitter did things. And what I mean by that is there are some knitters, and there were some knitters in this class specifically, that were really concerned with doing things the quote-unquote right way. The kind of folks who were concerned about doing something exactly the way it's written out in the instructions. And One of the things that I really loved about the way Kat Bordy taught was that she was very supportive of everyone doing things the way that worked or made sense to them. She wasn't necessarily a knitter that said, you must do things this way, or you must do things my way. She was just really supportive of the fact that there are lots of right ways to get to the end result that you're trying to get to. And she really thought that everyone's ideas were valid. In class, she wanted to hear what everyone thought. And if somebody happened to think of a way to do something that she hadn't thought of before, she would sit there and ponder it and want to come over and look at you doing it. And she was always so excited when somebody thought of a different way to do something. So I thought that was very cool about her. As a teacher, she was very, very generous in that way that she thought everybody could come up with equivalently exciting and new and good ways to do things. She never thought that her way was the only way. And then Gail and I attended one of her classes at an Interweave event, and that was I also don't know the year for that, but it was very early. 2011. In our pod- oh, it was 2011. November 2011. Oh, okay. Yeah, I looked, yeah. It was very early in our podcasting. That's what I remember. Yeah, and I have written here that she was very energetic and positive. I yes. Mean, you could feel it kind of radiating from her. And she was a very small person, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, petite. And she had the energy of a giant. She did. <laughs> Very, very energetic woman, very fun. And you can even, looking at her pictures, you can tell that from her pictures Mm -hmm. and her descriptions. So I did a lot of research, Charlene and I both did, and a lot of the things that she wrote, like her Ravelry description on her designer page or her website, very, very forthcoming, lots of text, lots of description. She felt it, man. You can tell. She was very into what she did. Yeah. 
And some of the things, speaking of being an exceptional and thinking kind of in different ways, she has a couple, quote, inventions that Mm -hmm. are still around today. The sweet tomato heel was Kat Bordy's quote invention. I don't know what you call it. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I don't know the right word, (laughs) but she kind of came up with that idea. The first one was her sweet tomato heel. And then sock related, she has a book called Socks Soar on Two Circular Needles. So a lot of people use a magic loop where they use one very long needle to knit circularly Mm -hmm. for socks. She actually said, why don't we use two circular needles? So that's another technique that she pioneered. And then the Mobius cast on. Oh, yes. Most people prior to this had knit Mobius cowl. So Mobius is the twist that never ends. Most of them had done it by knitting a cowl flat and then seaming at the end by turning it so that you had the Mobius shape. Well, apparently she woke up one morning in early 2000s with this I just came up with this in my sleep kind of excitement and popped up and, you know, she wrote patterns for it. There is a free pattern and a free video available if you want to see her teaching her Mobius cast on technique. That spawned a lot of books. It, it did because it, it is different from knitting a flat piece and then adding a twist to it. Because when you knit a flat piece and add a twist to it, you still have one end and then your second end and the mobius cast on you cast on and when you cast on it's actually the middle of your fabric so like imagine a cowl the cast on is in the middle of the fabric and you knit and you go around and around and around and it expands on both sides so that if you take your finger along the edge and then run it along the edge of the cowl, you're going to come right back where you started. There really is only one edge. It's cool. It's cool. It's kind of like magic. (laughs) Yes. Kind of sort of like magic. So she pioneered that technique. And she has over 300 patterns on Ravelry. She was knitting for a very long time. And some fun facts about Kat Bordy. She was a middle school teacher And she taught knitting to her students because she said it helped them concentrate better in class. Don't we wish that every teacher would acknowledge that and every boss would acknowledge (laughs) that so that we could all knit to pay attention better? And you said that she was very open-minded about techniques and stuff. Well, this is a quote that I copied from her website. If you're trying to be perfect when it doesn't matter, you should worry about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was very good. (laughs) Very good. So... One of my personal takeaways from that afternoon we spent with Kat Wardy, she was talking about her newest book, which was called The Art of Felfs. And you are probably wondering, what is a felf? (laughs) Well, that's her made up word for felted elfin footwear. And the day that we were in her class, she was talking about this new book. And she said that Part of its uniqueness was not just that she had these really cool felfs, which I'll explain in a minute, but all the proceeds from this book, except for the PayPal fees she had to pay, were going to cancer research for a doctor named Dr. David Cragg, who was developing a new technique for breast cancer treatment that was not chemotherapy. And I don't, I didn't have time to research where that stands today, 
but Kat Bordy did have breast cancer twice and she had other cancers as well. And she lost her mother at a very young age to breast cancer. So she was very interested in this research. She had met with the doctor and on her website, it said that as, as of February, 2017, they had raised over $70,000 from the sale of this book for this doctor, which is phenomenal. And she has a video that is related to the book that you can see on YouTube. And she talks about this doctor's research and she says how she thinks knitters can push him financially to where he needs to be to finish his research. Because at that time he had raised funds to a certain point. She said, I, th I believe knitters can put him over the limit. So she was very, very passionate about this doctor and his work. And what are Phelps? Well, I was kind of intrigued also because <laughs> who's ever heard of Phelps before? Well, they are knit flat in garter stitch, and then you fold them and seam them to make a foot shape. It's pretty darn cool. It's very ingenious, if you ask me. And she has the basic H shape, which she shows you on this video, how to fold and where to seam. And it's kind of magical. And then you felt them and they make these adorable little shoes. And she had basic ones. She had ballet flats. She had cowboy boots. She had lots of different versions. There were 15 different styles in the book and each one had very detailed instructions. I was kind of overwhelmed by the book at first glance because she always said anyone can knit this a beginner can knit mm -hmm. this this is not difficult but then there were lots of pages of instructions which right. kind of daunted me but a lot of the instructions were about sizing because she says you can knit these in seven different sizes to fit any foot and I've never read through all of those instructions but it's a really interesting idea and I could totally see making these they're pretty fun little pieces of footwear so the art of felfs by Kat Borty that was one of my strong takeaways that day, how passionate she was about this whole subject. Yeah, yeah. And then I believe she was a lifelong writer, but I think she only published one fiction book called Treasure Forest, which I have never seen in person. And I was looking it up and I don't even know if it's still in print. I would have to, I looked, I was looking for it on her website, and I didn't see it. So I don't know if she ever published it electronically or not, but Treasure Forest. <laughs> and she was an adventurer, too. She did yeah. all sorts of knitting retreats. They went to Ireland, they went to Peru, they went to Scotland, and she had some in the U.S. to the Grand Canyon. And she lived on an island in Washington called Friday Harbor. And she had a lot of retreats at her house or somewhere on Friday Harbor Island. And our friend Mary Ann, she actually went on one of the Iceland retreats with Kat Bordy. I remember that. I think she might have gone to Peru with her too. Hmm. So lots of different adventuring things with Kat Bordy. And I can just imagine her being like the Energizer Bunny on those types yes. of retreats and adventures. It yeah. would have been really cool to be yeah. with her. Yeah. She also did personal coaching. Because she did something called visionary retreats, where folks worked on a specific project, and she kind of did personal coaching to complete the or to help them complete their goal. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. I didn't read that anywhere. That's cool. And another fun little trivia fact: 
she, for a certain portion of her children's lives, she supported the family by making teddy bears. And they were really oh. cute. <laughs> they were beautiful teddy bears. Very nice. So there's our first exceptional cat, Bordy. I hope you do check out her pattern. She had some incredibly unique work. And a lot of her patterns come in a book form or a collection form as well. So she had fingerless mitts, collection of, I think they called it little pockets maybe, but they were, they're all like almost cell phone case like things, little purses that were really cute. That is one of my memories of her zooming she zooming around the room and she would have her phone around her neck in a little pocket she always wore her phone around her neck I do remember that (laughs) and now that we've talked about Cat Bordy you just said little pocket and carrying things around we have to mention the gold medalist oh yes who he knit a pouch to carry his gold medal it is so cool that's right we'll put the the link to the little video in our show notes because it was very cool (laughs) so his name is tom daly and he was actually a diver not a swimmer but he has an instagram feed where it's all knitting it's his knitting feed and he knits things and puts them up for charity auctions and all sorts of stuff it's really cool i'm following him now and he's a really unique guy i really like definitely check him out tom daly from great britain check him out and all right, I think that wraps up episode number 250. 250. Thank you for listening, Yay. everybody. Happy knitting. Happy knitting. Bye-bye. Bye. You can find our podcast on iTunes at Yarniacs Podcast. Visit our blog with show notes at yarniacs.com. We have a friendly and engaging Yarniacs Podcast Ravelry group. My Ravelry name is Knitter Ninja Shar. Gales is Gaily Whaley. You can follow us on Twitter at Yarniacs or on Instagram at Yarniac and at Gaily Whaley.